0: and this is Host the World, a show about the internet, how it's built, and the people who use it. Imagine this, the internet without all of the downsides. This is what I was thinking about when I opened the lid of my Google laptop running a Google OS, opened my Google browser to check my Google mail, made a Google search. You get the idea. I am in the Google ecosystem. This is not unlike Apple's ecosystem or Microsoft's or Amazon's ecosystem. But seriously, th- think about it. What apps do you use? Likely most of them are tied in some way to one of these companies. And this this is just totally normal. Living my life in these digital ecosystems is just how things are. You know, Whether you're writing notes or talking with friends or listening to music, whether you're checking a calendar or reading a book or watching a movie, You don't need technology companies to do any of these things, so why do you bring them into your life? Because as convenient as living in these ecosystems can be, there are also a lot of downsides. Now, for me, a lot of these downsides are just mild annoyances, like my movies can only be accessed from a neglected desktop application, or your books can only be read on an aging device with a weird screen. And it turns out that music, you you actually never owned any of it, and now it's locked behind a monthly subscription. But sometimes the downsides can be more serious. Security, every week the news is full of data breaches. My data and your data, we give it to these companies we trust, and they can't protect it. And I think security is second to privacy. It feels like every website is riddled with intrusive advertising that uses trackers to follow you around to other websites to show you more intrusive advertising. But tracking is not just limited to the web. If you own a smartphone, it's not uncommon to walk into a store or restaurant and get a notification saying, you just arrived at this restaurant. Would you like to leave a review? And I think that's kind of weird. And sure, there are switches and toggles to control some of these tracking features. But for a regular person who sees all this going on and thinks, you know, the Internet is so powerful when it works for me, but it feels like I'm in the passenger seat. You know, I'm just another prime member or just another iCloud subscriber. You know, I'm just another user of some service that I have no vote over the direction of. Now, I don't wanna be anti-internet company because many of these companies have products that make people's lives better. But all of this thinking brought me back to that question. You know, with all of these downsides, why do I let these companies into my life? And the answer is because I don't know any other way to benefit from the tools of these ecosystems you must agree to the terms of service you got to play their game but you know come on there's got to be some alternative you know what does it take to use the internet services that i rely on without all these downsides you know is there anything you can do you know what do i have to do do i have to host everything myself actually can can you do that But there's a problem. Well, two problems. First off, I'm a regular guy. Like, what do I know? So if I'm going to pull this off, I'm going to need to get educated. Secondly, these services are hosted by servers in gigantic data centers staffed with engineers, and I don't have any of that. However, there is a silver lining. It's just me. You know, I'm not supporting the user base of Gmail, so I don't need expensive computers or gigabit fiber or 24-7 uptime. You know, perhaps in the future, I'll include some friends and family, but for now, this cloud is mine. Also, as I learn and explore, I can rest assured knowing I'm not really risking anything. When I make mistakes, I will have learned something, and if I screw up really bad, I can always pull the plug and start over, and I'm alright with that. Okay, so hardware. Let's make a shopping list. What do I need? Number one, an internet connection. Okay, got that. Number two... Some spare time. This includes time for setting everything up and maybe some future maintenance. Three, a dedicated computer. Now, sure, I could rent hosting, but one of my goals is to get educated. And I think the fastest way to learn is to try it for yourself. So, internet connection, check. Spare time, check. Computer, I'm going to need one of those. Now, thankfully, computers are everywhere. They can be expensive. However, I'm looking for something cheap, preferably free. Now, my local classifieds were filled with potential candidates. And if you don't mind secondhand equipment, this can be a gold mine. Now, fortunately, I stumbled across an unexpected deal. Are you ready? Or... Yes. Sure. So I worked for a company that was paperless, meaning that everything happened over email and instant messenger, and we had a file share, and we all used that. So they decided to upgrade, so they were getting rid of their PCs, their old monitors and stuff, and then found out that they were going to discard them as e-waste. But before they did that, they asked people if they wanted to put their name in for a raffle for the brain or a monitor or put their name in for both. So I put my name in for both, and they ended up picking me just for a brain. I'm pretty sure none of the pieces actually went for e-waste. I think people took every piece. And they had this transaction thing online where they put in a ticket and I had to, like, buy it for a dollar or something. I think it wasn't totally free. I think it was like a dollar out of my paycheck or something. But basically, once I completed that little transaction online, I got to take it home. That voice on the phone was my sister. Her company renovated their office and was auctioning off old equipment, including desktop computers. Apparently, they couldn't give everything away to free to the employees, but they could sell the items for $1. So here I am, sight unseen. $1 has bought me a nondescript boring black box with Dell Precision 1650 stamped on the front. The inside is filled with dust and hard drives are missing, but the machine, it turns on. So, a little cleaning, I added a drive, I installed an operating system, and it looks like $1 has bought me an i3 with 4 gigs of RAM. I looked this up, and this dual-core, four-thread CPU is from 2011, and it actually supports virtualization. Okay, so I'm $1 in the hole. Is that all I need to get started? Let's find out. Now that I've got hardware, let's turn this bargain basement corporate desktop into a data center. To begin, I installed the most recent long-term support release of Ubuntu Server, I gave it a static IP address on my local network, and after a reboot, I can connect over SSH. But this is only one computer. To host the world, I'm going to need many more. And until I stumble across another corporate auction, I'm going to use virtual machines, turning one computer into many. The software that runs VMs is called a hypervisor. There are many to choose from, but for my first attempt, I'm going to use VirtualBox. Installing VirtualBox is simple. In a terminal, I typed sudo apt install virtualbox. Now you can go to town running VMs from the command line, but I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna install PHP VirtualBox, a web interface to manage and access your virtual machines. The interface replicates the familiar desktop experience, but now I can manage my VMs from anything with a web browser on my local area network. For full instructions about how to set everything up, I followed the getting started guide in the PHP VirtualBox GitHub wiki. I will link in the show notes. Once it's installed, I reboot, and in my web browser, I navigate to the host's IP address, and sure enough, it comes up. So let's get to work. I'm going to create some virtual machines with the same disk image of Ubuntu server that I used for the host. Each virtual machine, I will give one core and one gigabyte of RAM, and then bridge their Ethernet adapters through the host. So now scanning my network, I see five individual computers. My one computer is Five. With this approach, you can make as many as you need. If you want to try out some new software or operating system, you immediately have a clean place to start. You can checkpoint and roll back, but all that's for a future discussion. Okay, I know what you're saying. Great. Some low-spec virtual machines on a box shoved in the corner with a CPU from 2011. That's not really a data center. And for business use, I would totally agree. For one person running one or two or a handful of internet services with the goal of getting educated, this might just be the perfect tool to start the ball rolling. Next time on Host the World, I'm going to introduce myself to the grandpa of web servers. Actually host something, and if there's time, try my hand at some really simple syndication. To learn more about the show, visit hosttheworld.org.